Well, it's great to have you here. Um, it's uh, quite a historic moment. Um, I'm not quite sure, but I think it actually is the first official kids seminar on a New Frontiers Leaders Conference. Um, if you've been to a kids seminar on a leadership conference before, you can come and tell me off afterwards. But I think this is quite a historic moment, uh, which is exciting because I think this is a really important uh, subject and uh, I think it's really important for us to get hold of that. So um, it's, as Yope said, quite a varied um, seminar. So you could be here working with kids, children's ministry at church. You could be a teacher, a nurse, uh, in any setting. So it's going to be a little bit difficult trying to cover all of that. But uh, I think we're going to do our very best to do that. And uh, we're going to do that in a little bit interactive way. So I'm going to try to poke you a little bit on uh, some things just to start thinking about. Um, we're going to do a bit of discussing in groups. We've got some videos lined up for you just to kind of inspire you with some things. Um, so that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, but just before we start talking, it'd be quite helpful to have a little bit of an idea uh, kind of what the spread is. So um, let's do a little test. If you are a mum and dad and, uh, or a dad uh, and you've kind of come just because you're interested to know more about kind of children because you see them every day, you work with them, can you just quickly raise your hand um, so we know kind of roughly the spread? Fantastic. Uh, any people involved in children's ministry at the church? Loads. Uh, and uh, anyone working with kids in a secular environment? Loads as well. And quite a few similar hands as well. Fantastic. Well, that's a, a really good spread. So we're going to try do our best to kind of cover all of that, um, but uh, you're going to have to help us to do that along the way. So before we get started, let me introduce myself, and then uh, I'll get Malini to introduce herself. Um, my name is Walter, as Job said. I'm originally from uh, Holland, travelled over to England about six years ago, and never been back since, so it's a little bit disappointing for the Dutch, but uh, that's the way it goes. Um, I'm married to... Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, I'm married to Simona. We've got two lovely uh, girls and uh, a third one on the way. So our house is slowly invaded by everything pink and princesses. And I'm singing along Frozen songs all week long. And uh, I thought I had escaped the pink until I arrived at the conference <laughs> and saw that my badge is pink. So I think uh, I feel at home. That's good. Um, and uh, it's a real privilege to be a dad and uh, I think um, I've been working with kids for about 14 years so I started off as a sports instructor working with children then I became a physiotherapist and I worked in a children's uh, hospital uh, and then uh, um, since kind of the last 10 years I've been involved in setting up different children's ministry initiatives uh, around several different churches and uh, these days, I've got the privilege to be an elder in uh, Life Church in Peterborough. So I kind of oversee, uh, among lots of things, everything between zero and 18. So that's a lot of fun, lots of things kind of happening. Uh, for me, it's a little bit different uh, coming from a children's worker than being on the other side, kind of trying to facilitate others to kind of understanding uh, what's involved. So um, that makes me very passionate, passionate about kind of enabling other people to run with the dreams they've been given, uh, as well as just serving anywhere I can. And I think, um, I think over the last um, few years, there's something happening within uh, relational missions specifically, where I just keep bumping into people that are really excited and passionate about children's work. And uh, it feels like God is doing something special. There's a, a slow kind of uh, bit of profile rising. And I think hopefully today uh, will help uh, a little bit more. So Thanks for all the guys coming. Um, I can spot a few. I was a little bit worried I was going to be on my own here, and that's something uh, I've been flagging up constantly. So if you know any guys in your churches, please rally them, because this is really important. We need mum figures, but also dad figures, brothers and sisters. So um, I think uh, well done for making it. Thanks for coming. Um, Malini, do you want to come and share a little bit about yourself? I'm going to try to hold this for you so we can hear that. 
I just thought? Hi, I'm Melini. I um, live in Bishop Stortford, where we've lived for 12 years. Um, I'm married and to a guy called Ian, and I have three children. Um, I started doing kids' work when I was about 12 um, through an organisation called the Girls Brigade, um, which you may have heard of. I just used to help with table um, groups, etc. Um, I then trained as a teacher, partly because I wanted to be an educational psychologist. So I did a degree in psychology and thought I'd do two years teaching and become an ed psych. Um, but my two years, my first job was in inner city London, um, in a school in um, East London. And 95% of the children in the school I taught in were from Bangladesh. And I just absolutely loved it. And it was because I worked in that sort of environment that I chose to um, carry on with teaching. Um, I taught up to about 20 years um, and I, you know, was deputy head, acting head, all this sort of stuff. Um, and yet during that time, towards the end, I felt God really um, pulled me towards seeing something more in our churches for children and I ended up becoming, um, going on to the staff at Bishop Stortford as their kids leader. Um, and I just loved it. I loved getting alongside children, seeing them grow, seeing them hear about Jesus. And just get to, get to know them in, in a more pastoral um, way, bring value to them. Um, and I've done that. I did that for about eight years. Um, and more recently, the last couple of years, I've come off staff and I'm working for an organisation called Home for Good, um, which is looking at um, profiling adoption and fostering in churches. I'm an adoptive mum. Um, and so I've got a real heart to see children placed into families. So that's me. Um, we just thought as we start, it'd be good if you've got some questions that you've actually come with. Um, I know when you look at a seminar blurb, you look at it and you think, oh, which one shall I go to? And it may be that you've got a question or something you're thinking, actually, I'd quite like this sort of to, to be explored this afternoon. I'm not saying we will, um, but we thought if we had a couple of the questions down, we can see if we can cover them. And if we don't, then obviously do come and talk to us at the end and we'd love to talk through anything that any of you guys are carrying. So I don't know whether there's any questions, if you'd like to shout them out, and um, we'll write them on the flip chart, and then hopefully we'll cover it. Yes? Um, it kind of partly falls in line with the whole fostering adoption, adoption thing, and just generally reaching out to children that are perhaps from slightly more broken backgrounds. Um, how do you um, suggest, or I don't know, any ways that you can prepare families who have kind of always grown up in church, who have their own kind of churchy home lives, for the fact that their children will be integrated with children who are from very different backgrounds. Does that make sense? So like mm. children who have maybe suffered abuse or just who have very different language spoken at home mm. and things like that. Um, is, I don't know, how might you go about preparing parents maybe for that and kind of preparing the children almost protecting them when you're trying to reach out to children who have a very different upbringing. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah, like, no, definitely. How the do two worlds come together. Do you, do you mean that in a church setting or very much for families? Um, well, either really. I think um, if you're kind of... Um, like I'm really passionate about like outreach to yeah. people who maybe wouldn't come to church. Yeah, okay. But a lot yeah. of the time that 
involves church families as well. And so just the fact that they may be integrating at quite a young age yeah. is kind of, you know, I think we'll cut this out of the recording okay. anyway, so just to bring that information. Okay. That really helpful. Okay. So kind of enable families to reach out to other okay. unlikely yeah, families. Yeah, to kind of create that understanding of yep. parents who maybe haven't got the same passion. Yeah. Yep. Anybody else? Any other burning things that you'll cut? Yes. For me, other than that, also in like having non-church kids come into church, mm. like Sunday school, mm. and how that works. Mm. Yep. Anybody else? Somebody over this side? This side? I'm a, a kinder Bible teacher mm -hmm. and I work at a Christian school and my colleague, uh, so the other classroom, they have uh, a child who when they speak about uh, Jesus and, and uh, the Bible, this child is always saying, God doesn't exist! And yeah. shouts through the mm -hmm. classroom. So how can you uh, how do you handle that? Handle yes, yeah. right, that's the word. Yeah. Yeah. And that will be very much in a school setting, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like a financial working Anybody else? Yes. Can you just say a little bit about <coughs> just building a team in general in terms of your kids workers and sustainability and mm. in business? Mm. I think we have a lot of students in our church, a lot of people will be serving for a period, but then they leave, and mm. I think our kids' work is really... It's always moving, yeah. yeah. In terms of envisioning the whole church for, oh yeah, just the values, mm. really, mm. you know, how important it is to serve the children, and getting that across on the leaders, and, you know... Yeah, brilliant. I think, I mean, some of that we will cover. Some of it, if it's more specific, it might be worth having a chat afterwards. It'd be good to talk some of that through. Um, and even to link up with people who are perhaps exploring some of the same things. Shall we stop there and I'll hand over to you, Martin. Yeah, have we got one or two more? Huh. Uh, He's keen to have more. Special needs children, um, how we yeah. Um, yeah. incorporate them into, you know, um, yeah. and church, somebody and at the back. I think we'll, about yeah, we're up to 11. Okay, my question is then, um, at what age do we think children start getting exposed to kind of um, questions about sexuality in schools and things like that? Like, uh, just as awareness thing, at what age do they start coming across that? Yeah. And, um, and at what point should we be aware that they will be having those sort of things discussed at school? Right. We'll do well if we get through all that. to kind of understand where you come from, so we're not talking that direction and then you kind of miss everything that you wanted to hear. So, good. 
we'll do our best to get as far as we can. Um, so we'll talk about kids in a broken world. Uh, I mean, if you look around the news, it's no secret uh, this world is broken and it's quite evident. And especially when you look at the age group of children, um, they are very vulnerable to that broken world. They are uh, affected. So Yob was saying the vulnerable, the needy in our society are kind of hit most by that. Now, I think um, as I started working as a, uh, a children's physio, I was surrounded by broken lives every day. Um, and it was really hard. Really hard. So uh, I think families come, uh, hospitals, not the environment they've chosen. They have to be there. Um, and uh, I can remember a specific moment in my journey. Uh, I met one of my patients called Mohammed, and uh, Mohammed pretty much lived in the hospital because uh, he was suffering from cystic fibrosis, um, which is a horrible genetic disease that affects the lungs and kind of organs and most of them uh, don't make it to adulthood it's a really really difficult kind of phase and uh, Muhammad nearly lived in the hospital so now and then he could go home for a couple of weeks um, but it was hard work and uh, I remember as a physio we tried to do everything we could to kind of keep him from hitting the dips that would occur kind of every so often and uh, we'd have fun trying to do exercises with always lines and tubes in and we'd try to play table tennis without getting muddled up with uh, kind of oxygen lines and tubes that fed him and uh, uh, I think on a bad day probably the only thing we could aspire to was coming kind of walking from the bed to his kind of wheelchair um, and it was just horrible to kind of see him on that slippery slope to death without really being able to do anything other than just kind of my job and uh, I mean working in a secular environment you might be familiar with that um, as a physio, uh, I get paid to help him uh, to keep up his wealth. Uh, I don't get paid to kind of talk to him about spiritual stuff. Um, and there were some clear guidelines on kind of how to handle that. So for me, it was a real kind of inner kind of frustration. And if you're a teacher here or you work with children in a secular environment, you might be familiar with that. It's like, how, how can I be a blessing to Muhammad uh, other than just kind of trying to do my job well um, and I remember that kind of question kind of really kind of bubbling up inside it's like I know God has placed me here for a reason and I know God has put his life on my path for a specific reason but how can I embody something of the gospel uh, in his life and I remember that kind of question eating away at me um, as we were going through our journey um, sadly he's passed away now uh, I can't say uh, I'm overly uh, encouraged about the result that we got through uh, in that time um, but it was a question that stayed with me throughout and that really motivates me uh, in these days and I think it's very important to talk about children's ministry for us as churches how can we reach children but the fact is that um, you will have thousands of children's lives around you on a daily basis that you're touching in your profession or just in the neighborhood if you've got kids are the kids coming uh, across to your house to play so how can you reach out to these kids and how can you embody something of the gospel to them in a meaningful way so um, rather than us talking uh, all the time I thought it would be uh, perhaps helpful for you guys to kind of chat with maybe someone sitting next to you that you haven't spoken to before or that you haven't come uh, with um, just to kind of chat for a, a brief moment kind of what what kind of sort of evidences of brokenness can you see around you uh, in the children's lives that you uh, are working with or get to see on a daily basis is that okay so that could be school environment, church environment, or just your own kids. So what does that brokenness look like? Is that okay? So over to you. I'm going to give you about two minutes. So um, you don't have much time to warm up. Just kind of dive straight in. And then we'll pick it up from there. Brilliant. If you can... Uh, Get your conversations to an end. We'll uh, quickly move on because we've got a lot to cover. 
Um, so, undoubtedly, you've been talking about um, different ways and kind of families that you've engaging with or children, and uh, that brokenness can look quite different. Uh, uh, if you look at the statistics, um, I, I was I had a whole list of statistics that I was going to bring, and then I thought, oh, actually, there's lots of people from different countries and places, so I'm not going to bore you with UK statistics. But actually, if you look at the reports, so um, some of the key reports like UNICEF across kind of the whole of Europe and further, actually, there's some real clear signs that family breakdown is on the rise very rapidly. It's almost like a pandemic. It goes around everywhere. And um, with that, the statistics for the children that get affected by that is massive. So family breakdown is one of the kind of hardest things in our society that we can see. Uh, on one side, we kind of celebrate the freedom for adults to make their own choices. On the other end, we can see the children are actually suffering the consequences of those choices. And what you can see is that has a huge impact uh, on the children um, and their world. So, uh, I mean, uh, kids living in broken families are much more likely to uh, struggle at school, to get into addictions, to um, struggle to find work, um, very likely to be depending on kind of welfare support in the future. Uh, and you can see that all around, really, in our society. So even though the brokenness sometimes isn't even that clear, any child that doesn't live with a mum and dad in a normal family life will be affected by that statistically. Um, and I think for us, I mean, there's a huge work to be done um, as family um, is no longer a kind of standard um, in our society. So I think for us, that is a massive, massive area. Um, so... Uh, what we kind of want to do is to show you a few videos throughout uh, this session, just to kind of inspire you. So what we don't want you to go away is like, oh, I've got to do that, or I've got to do that. We just want to show you something of some people that got caught by something they were really indignified about, and they wanted to do something uh, about, just to inspire you. And uh, There'll be too many things um, to keep up with, so you can't do all of those when you go back home to your church, and that's for a reason, because we don't want you to copy those things. We just want to inspire you to ask yourself the question, so what is it that God wants to do uh, in our church at this moment? in time through us so um one of those videos is uh, who lets the dads out i'm not quite sure whether you've heard about this um me as a dad and seeing the amount of guys in the room i think we've got some uh, area for growth here so i'm going to show you this video just to encourage you that kind of dads reaching dads and kids is really really important so um let me see if i can get this to work there we go socially and spiritually significant about the relationships between fathers and their children. But sometimes there's not the opportunity for them to spend time just the dad and the child. And I think Who Let the Dads Out gives them that opportunity within a church context. It gives them an opportunity to spend time together, to have fun together. Who Let Dads Out exists to inspire, equip and support local churches to set up ministries to reach out to fathers and children within their communities. We're not prescriptive about how it should be run. We just want Who Let the Dads Out to be a catalyst for engaging with fathers and their children and for building up relationships with people in the community. Because of our work all week, you've only got five out of time on the weekends to, to do something, so... The thing that dads often don't get is an opportunity to mix with other dads and talk to other dads. And that's what Who Let the Dads Out gives them. We also get the benefit of engagement with people from the church, people who can express God's love to them. And begin to build up relationships with them. Yeah, I never knew anything like this existed, so it's great. Great to see those two examples. Um, 
We were very aware when we were planning this. We've, we've gone through it a couple of times and um, we really felt this morning when Steph Liston was talking about your places of influence and on the other side of your one hand being the places of influence and the other side being um, the gospel, what that actually means in reality for each one of you. And that will look different for each one of you. And when you see um, videos like that, they really do inspire us. I think the danger is that we desperately want to do that today in our setting. And yet we've really got to hear what God is saying to us um, for our setting. Um, I think it's, it's grasping, this is where God's put me and this is the gospel. How do I bring the two together? So I'm just going to pray that over you guys. Um, and we're just wanting the rest of our session to be God speaking into you um, about what your area of influence will look like. And it may be that some of you might go away and think, actually, I'd quite like to do some of this. But it may be that you won't do any of that. You'll do something that God is specifically saying to you. Yeah, so I'm just going to pray that. Um, And I've also been reading a book called No Ceiling to Hope. It's about reaching kids who end up in the gang culture because of things like family breakdown, no aspiration, poverty, um, low educational achievement, and um, a project that started in London after several of the shootings. and and, And it goes throughout other parts of the world as well, looking at how do we meet the needs of people who are children who are broken. Um, how do we um, reach out to them with God's love and heart? So it's a great book to, to inspire you as you um, explore this further. So let me just pray for you guys. Father, I thank you that each one of us here today sits in a place of influence and in a place that you have specifically put us in. I thank you that you have Um, things that you are already putting into our hearts and seeing them birthed in us. And I do pray that our places of influence would be um, just growing even over this afternoon, that we would be thinking, how can I reach the children that you have given me around me, whether it's in my school, in my home, in my church, whatever the setting is, Um, I just pray that each one of us would um, really grasp what you're saying to us um, this afternoon and journey with you in exploring how to do this in an effective way. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So I think the easiest thing that we could do is now dive into lots of, say, what to do, what can you do, what sort of programs can you start? Um, But the the truth is, if we don't start with a biblical understanding about the value of children, then we'll be wearing ourselves out within no time, and we have very little to sustain ourselves. So I think what I want to do is just take you on a little bit of a journey, just to go through uh, some stuff in the Bible, just to kind of really capture it. So what's God's heart uh, for children? And I bet you probably won't have had much teaching on this, because I've never had, um, and it's not something that you often see covered, but um, I think it's really important. 
important just to start there. Let kind of scripture um, illuminate our hearts and then from there on um, we can go on. So I'm going to go through a bit of a whistle stop through the Bible um, and uh, I'm, I'll, I might kind of shout out a few kind of um, chapters that you could look up but if I don't, please don't try to find them because I might be at the next one by the time you found it. So um, I think if you look at the... Um, Old Testament, um, you can see a real kind of demonstration of God's heart as a father. So when he kind of looks at choosing people and he chooses a nation, he often uh, portrays himself as a father. Um, so a lot of the analogies in the Old Testament are about God as a father. Now, um, the, the reason why this is such an important analogy is because it's not just a spiritual analogy. This is the truth. All of us are made in God's image and we are God's children. And what you can see is where brokenness comes in is when the image that we carry of God in our lives is broken. Uh, so when uh, sin came into the world, the reflection that we have uh, from God as a father is broken and our relationship with our father is broken. And you can see that throughout the Old Testament where actually time and time again God says, I've pursued you as a father. Um, I loved you as a father. I adopted you as my children. And um, that's where God's love starts. Now, if God uses that analogy, um, then it means it's true for all of us, isn't it? So you're a child of God, but actually uh, my four-year-old daughter is a child of God as well. And often we forget this because we kind of think that we are slightly more advanced children of God and the children of our, so our own children. Uh, actually, to God, we're on a similar level. Um, uh, our, uh, his little children are just as special and just as made in his image as the grown-ups do. So therefore, when we look at God's expectation towards his children, it's no different from children as it is from adults, because um, often God has to go against what we bring to the table to help us understand that he's our father and that we are dependent on him. And often as adults, we forget that. We kind of think that um, we need to teach children and they don't understand as much as we do, so we've got to be patient with them. And actually, when we look at the Old Testament, um, the understanding of faith and the understanding of God comes by revelation. It doesn't come by understanding. So you could be a professor and you have no idea of God's love for you. And you could be a two-year-old and perfectly understand God's love. So for us to have expectations that God's Father heart is revealed through revelation rather than understanding is really important. So you might have seen some graphics about um, children's understanding of spiritual reality. Now there is some kind of clear pro process in kind of for them to develop in their understanding. But actually we believe that faith comes by revelation. Uh, actually um, uh, that revelation can come to anyone at any moment in time. So I'm very sure that my little girl gave her life to Jesus when she was two year old because I could see it. She understood it. It was nothing that I taught her. It was nothing that she understood. But it was in the, in the conversation that she said, I want Jesus in my heart. I was like, well, that couldn't have happened other than Jesus pointing that in her life. And I think for us, we need to have that expectation that God can move just as powerful through his spirit in your life as he can through children at any moment in time because he's not dependent on us and what we bring to the table. So when you look throughout the Old Testament, this is the way that God loves to surprise us because he's choosing children, very insignificant people, to make his plans happen. So when you see um, very much at the start, so Isaac is the kind of the child of promise. God chooses him before there's anything in his life, before he even exists. And it took years for him to kind of come to this uh, planet. But he was already chosen right from the very start. And God works through him. Um, you can see Joseph being picked from a really kind of young age. God giving him dreams about what one day was going to happen. Now, he had no kind of clear understanding of what that was going to look like. But God had already spoken into his life from a very, very early age. Um, look at Samuel. God uh, had lots of people to talk to. But the one he chose to speak to was a little boy. Uh, and he revealed his plans to this little boy. And we can see him kind of growing up in favor with man and with God. And we can see a real impact 
through his life. Um, you can see David, the child warrior who kills a giant whilst all the thousand soldiers around are kind of wetting themselves uh, and actually being really courageous. God had chosen him to do a mighty work. Um, Daniel, a child being banished in, uh, from his own world, living in a foreign country that God uses to bring revival to a nation that never heard uh, from God. Um, we can see Jeremiah uh, being called by God as a child, starting to hear from God as a child, um, starting to prophesy as a child, speaking into his nation. Um, or we can see Esther, the princess that was chosen from a very young age to have a very significant role that God would use her um, we can see Moses from a very early age being picked by God to become a leader. Now, it took years for that to start to happen, but there was a real anointing in his life from the very start. So for us, the truth is there's loads of kids around us that God can put his hand on just like that without, I mean, they were most unlikely children, but God put his hands on and things start to happen. And I think for us, we've lost something about that expectation. We often think, oh, wait till they go to the youth group or wait till they become students and then we'll see what's going to happen. And I'm like, no, no. I mean, God is not held back by their abilities. He can choose them from a very early age. They can hear God's voice just as clear as we do. Um, when you look in the New Testament, um, it becomes even more clear. So Jesus comes to the earth. Um, if you want to flick through uh, Matthew with me. Um, so uh, right at the very start, we see that Jesus comes to the earth as a baby. Now, I don't know if you thought about that before, but actually Jesus could have come like uh, a teenager or a student any moment in time, couldn't he? But he chose to be born as a child because he entered into this world and uh, he went through life just like we did. And God picked him from a very early age and helped to develop him. And we can see a clear relationship with his father from a very young age where he preferred to stay in the temple rather than following uh, his mum and dad. Um, we can see that Herod went out to kill all the children in a couple of chapters later. Why? Because there's something very satanic about taking uh, life from a very uh, early stage. Uh, actually, when the devil moves he's trying to destroy uh, life at the very very start uh, when there's a little flickering flame the satan just loves to put that out and actually the picture that we get from uh, the bible and from god is that and um, god doesn't deny a flickering flame actually he he grows it he facilitated and if we believe we live in a world of black and white and opposition actually we shouldn't be surprised that the category that satan will be aiming for are young lives because the sooner he can destroy them the less likely is there going to be a recovery is that true when you look around, um, when you then flick through um, the chapters in uh, Matthew, you can see kind of lots of different ways where um, Jesus is touching the lives of children um, all around. So um, if you just kind of want to flick through with me, um, Matthew 9, we can see that uh, Jesus is touching the life of Jairus' daughter. So Jairus' daughter died. He went home with Jairus and he raised her back to life again. Um, why would he spend time with children? Because they matter to him. He um, performed miracles in the lives of children, touched the lives of children, broken lives, and just as much as he did adults. Um, Matthew 15, we can see the Canaanite woman um, coming to Jesus, begging to uh, kind of deliver her girl that was demon-possessed. And we can see Jesus um, actually delaying her, um, saying, why should I give uh, what comes to the children of God? But actually, in her faith, he grants her wish, and we can see her daughter being freed. And we can see a boy uh, being demon-possessed, being thrown in the fire, are being delivered from uh, demons. Um, we can then see um, uh, the official son in John 4 um, being 
healed. Um, we can see Jesus picking a, a boy with um, five loaves and two fishes um, to perform a miracle. Um, in, a, in, a, in a time where children were supposed not to be seen and not to be heard, it's very surprising that we can actually read about these things in the Bible. Um, my favourite passage, and I, I think it would be good for you to turn towards that because I'd love to spend a little bit of time on that, is Matthew 18. So you undoubtedly will have heard um, this verse before in the context of children's work. But I doubt whether you've read the verses that follow on from that. So Matthew 18, if you want to look up. Verse 1, it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child... He put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, what you often find is when people teach about this, they love to kind of explain how we need to have childlike faith. But I think there's something more in here where actually Jesus is expressing a real special love for children. If we have to become like children, clearly God loves children, right? It's not just the spiritual truth. Um, What follows on from that is actually quite scary. So in verse 5, it says, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. So he's got a child in the middle, and he's talking about the child. saying, if you receive this child, actually you're receiving me. If you give special attention to these little ones, you are carrying out something of the Father heart of God. But then in verse 6, it says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. You can see Jesus' tone starting to change. Um, He's taking a chart as an example. Now he's clenching his teeth and he's almost direct threatening his disciples, saying, "Um, if you mess with one of my little ones, in his words, he's going to come and find you, he's going to hunt you down, and you wish you'd rather drown yourself in the sea than face Jesus. And I think there's something very powerful in that that you don't often hear. Jesus is saying, if you lead my little ones astray, that affects me. The brokenness in this world, the brokenness in the lives of children, affects God's heart. God is not cold towards little children being heard. The reality is, all that needs to happen for little children to be heard is for us to do nothing. We live in a society where family breakdown is massive. We can look around us and the lives of children are facing brokenness all over. And for all of it um, to, to let that brokenness happen is for us to do nothing. And the truth is, there is a lot of nothingness out there. And there's a lot of churches that have no idea how to get to grips with children. I mean, the question that we wrote on the board is, how do we engage with children that do not go to church? It's not just the children that have been uh, entrusted to us, but it's the children around us that we have got a responsibility for. If Jesus is threatening his disciples in this way, I mean, we've got to pay attention, right? We'd love to uh, read the, the, the nice postcards from Sunday school about Jesus loving little children. But this is scary stuff, isn't it? You were so quiet. <laughs> this is scary stuff, right? God has entrusted us with a responsibility. And unless we step out to be obedient to that, actually hundreds and thousands and millions of kids will be hurt on a daily basis with us doing nothing. And I think that's why we must try everything we can in the situation that we are to be people that actually bring light into the lives of children. 
Now, I often notice this when I go to the uh, play park with my kids, so uh, I love to spend a bit of time. I mean, I sometimes get a bit tired of the Barbies and uh, kind of uh, princess stuff and being prince charming. So go out and we go to the park and we I play together with my kids because I, I love play park just as much as they do. Uh, and uh, we're kind of running around and uh, playing. And I can tell you, every time when we go there, what happens is that there's other children around and they come and join in with us. And I'm like... Suddenly I've got like 10 kids around me. It's like, well, these two are mine. I don't know what you eight are up to, but I'm not responsible for you. Um, and they're trying to copy me, so they get in danger and all sorts of stuff. And actually what happens is there's a real absence when you look around. There's mums on their phones. Um, on a maybe very unlikely occasion, there might be a dad sitting somewhere in the corner, but they're not engaging. And what happens is that the children just flog to you. You can't help it. By just playing with them, they'll come to you. And actually, I think for us, wherever you are placed, that is something that God has entrusted you with. That's something, the role that we are supposed to play, where actually, if you just be yourself and carry out God's love for the children, they will flock to you, they will come to you, and they will seek you. Uh, And I think that's a very significant part, because we can make a difference in their lives, even in that moment in time. So, um, for example, um, if I'm going to go to the play park, on the way, there's a kind of a couple of dan- dangerous crossings. So I t- tell my little girls, you can shoot off a little bit, but you've got to wait at the crossing, and then I come and we kind of cross the road together. Um, now, the reason why I do that is because I believe when I'm there, it's probably more likely that they'll be able to cross the road safely than if I'm not there. So they wait for Daddy to come, and then we cross the road together. Um, now, the only difference at that moment in time is my presence. Uh, it's very simple. If, if I'm there, I believe I can help them through this safely. The truth is, around us, that is exactly what children are lacking. Mums and dads that care for them to keep them out of danger. So when you look at the statistics for uh, internet, uh, pornography, um, abuse, violence, if you see the amount of stuff that kids encounter at a really early age, the reason why that happens is because there's no parent to help them cross the road safely. There's no presence. And I think the truth is that God has imparted you in the specific area that you are to embody his presence in their lives. And you can make a real significant difference through that. Do you got that? So very simple, um, when kids come around to play um, around your house, you're there. You think it's just every day, but actually you're there. And you can help them. Your presence can make a difference in their world. So we've got to raise our expectation about the influence that we carry. Because by just being your normal self, you'll have an advantage of actually caring for these kids and being able to connect with them more so than in their local environment. So does that help? I'm kind of showering you with lots of stuff just to kind of try to get under your skin and into your heart. But I think I just just want you to get a little bit uncomfortable to understand that we've been given and trusted a task that we can't just lay down. Uh, Children's ministry is not a nice extra option. Reaching out to children is not a nice thing that you can do as a church. It is vital. It's right at the heart of God. And it's something very important for us to carry in this broken world. You got that? Good. I've numbed your brain a little bit um, with uh, lots of information. So I'm going to put another video up so you can recover a little bit and be inspired at the same time. Is that okay? Good. So that's about Home for Good, adoption. Uh, another, I think Malini was already saying, initiative about people just 
feel. We want to care for kids very practically. If they haven't got mum and dad, we could be a mum and dad. So that makes a big difference. Um, just to kind of, before we break up into groups again, just kind of um, the key question still hanging is so how can we make a difference? So it's important to understand that it's important, um, but if you get a bit uneasy and you still got that question of how, how can we make that difference, then I've just unsettled you and I haven't given you any direction, which would be a bit mean. Um, so I think when you look in the Bible, um, actually the key question is, so how does God um, touch a broken world? Well, the amazing thing uh, about God touching this broken world is that he didn't stay afar. He didn't just press a button to kind of solve the stuff. He didn't send a delegate to kind of fix it. Actually, God himself came down, the uh, person of his son Jesus, into this world, into the broken world, and he came near. Um, When you look around uh, kind of Jesus, he's always involved with broken lives. There's brokenness all around him. And you can see that Jesus is not just entering a broken world, but he's actually entering into their neighborhoods, joining their parties, playing with the kids in their playground, um, making a real difference wherever he goes. Uh, And uh, you can see that he's not only coming close, he's also touching and speaking into their herd by uh, teaching them, helping them to understand uh, the good news about God. Uh, And he's also healing them, making a real difference. And you can see that uh, Jesus not only speaks into and touches their brokenness, he also carries their brokenness. So ultimately, when he went to the cross, he took their brokenness upon himself, the sins they've committed, but also the sins that have been committed to them, which broke them. And he died so, they, so that we could find healing and wholeness. Now, I think in a very similar way, that is our model when we are looking at the brokenness of the world around us. It's very easy to kind of flick off the television when you see lots of mess and think, okay, I'll write a check, 20 quid, and maybe that will make a difference. Actually, it's not easy like that. Actually, we are called, like Jesus, to enter into this broken world, into the lives of the children around us, to make a difference. And the question is, how can we do that? Well, very simply, just like Jesus did, entering into their parties, into their neighborhoods, um, in their play parks, the places where you meet them. Um, We often have lots of um, uh, organized stuff in the churches that we try to get the kids to, and then guess what? None of the kids turn up. Um, and Jesus is kind of saying, well, well, I've never thrown an organized party. I just went to join one. And I think that's something very special for us. Just kind of look, where are the kids? Where are they? What is their need? And how can we make a difference? How can we enter into that? So if you're a teacher, I mean, you've got kids around you every day. If you're working with kids, you've got them around you every day. So looking at where are they and how can we make a difference? Uh, he entered into their brokenness. So actually not staying distant, but actually making a difference where they are is really important. And next to speaking into their hurt and their pain is to actually help carry their pain and their hurt. What can you practically do to help and sustain families so you embody the gospel as well as bring the gospel? So it's quite simple uh, in principle. It's then very complicated in practice. So what does that look like for you and me in everyday life? So rather than giving you the solutions for that, why don't you uh, find someone that you haven't spoken to before, maybe twos and threes together, and just have a conversation together uh, how can you make a difference where you are? So don't, don't talk about 10 years' time. Don't talk about your ideal, what children's ministry would look like in the church. But on Monday morning, uh, in the place that you are and the people that you meet, how can you seek to enter into the broken uh, world of children around you and make a difference? Is that okay? You are such a tough crowd. Come on, guys. Um, if you can speak to someone that you haven't um, spoken to before yet, that'd be great. And then uh, we're going to do that for... Um, the next kind of four or five minutes, and then we'll uh, try to draw it together with a few kind of practical things to follow it up. Is that okay? 
I think what we'd like to do is bring some of it to, um, to, towards the end of our session, but then for people to hang around if they want to afterwards. Um, I think what I wanted to bring at this point, um, having heard Walter and all the um, God's heart and looking through the Bible, it's just that some of this does look messy. And I think, you know, I know for me, when I first started kids' work um, years ago, I thought it all look, needed to look neat. I wanted programmes to be in place. I wanted things to, to follow certain ways. I wanted my teams to buy into it. And I think what I've learned, particularly in the last few years, is actually it isn't as neat as that and it is messy. And that when you're taking children who are broken and you're bringing them into a place of healing and a place of um, knowing God's heart for them and the image of God over them, that actually some of that is is not going to be within our programmes. It's about just journeying with little ones alongside you. And I think that's what God's really done in me in the last umpteen years. And I think particularly through the adoption, I feel that I think what I've learnt is that actually children are broken. Um, in fact, we were broken before we met Jesus. And I think it's, it's getting God's heart behind what we do and, and looking for the fruit in what God is already doing. And so I know one of the things we've looked at in Bishop Stortford is we've constantly looked at where is God already doing something? And then we've come in the back of that as a team. Um, and, and not to think that by creating, we're always gonna um, meet the needs of various things, but actually just seeing where, gently, where is God doing something? And that is where we're going to start walking into. Um, and that might be families, that might be dads, that might be um, a kids club, it might be all sorts of things, toddler groups, etc. If it's in your workplace, I remember when I was teaching, um, the school went into um, special measures. And I remember there was a Christian guy on the staff and I was, I was there and we just asked the head, can we pray for the school? And can we do that every Friday at lunchtime? And because it was in such a mess at the time, she was more than willing for us to pray. And so we just went every Friday, went into one of the spare classrooms. And Scott and I used to just sit there and pray for the school. And we started to see the climate change. And I think, um, I think it is almost saying, God, you've put me here. How can I make that difference to what is broken around me? And, and allowing God to do that. I felt this morning um, when Steph was reading one of the scriptures, um, the word ambassador was um, mentioned and I quickly did a um, definition Google on it. And um, interesting, it says an accredited diplomat sent by a state. That's you and I. We're, we're accredited by God, sent by God as a permanent representative in a foreign country. And, and that's what God's done. He's put us into foreign places, places that are alien to where we would most naturally want to be. And he's asking us to be his representative in that place. And um, I think there's a, a couple of words that I've got that I wanted to bring to various um, people. So I just thought it'd be good if we just pray and um, allow the Holy Spirit to just speak into people and to allow some of what has been said just land in us and um, grow and hopefully um, 
germinate and see some fruit in it. So I don't know whether you'd like to stand up and I'm just going to pray, but I'm also going to bring some of what was brought this morning um, to you. Just to quickly, um, after that time of prayer, if you have got a next session that you want to dash to, and then please uh, make your way um, uh, after that. If you want to know a few more kind of answers of some of the experience on the questions on the board, and you haven't got a next session to go to, we've got a little bit of time here uh, afterwards, so if you just want to hang around to kind of chat about those things, then uh, those that need to go are free to go, and those that want to stay can stay for a bit longer. Is that okay? Father, I pray that you would help each one of us to know that we are accredited diplomats, that we are your hands and feet, that we are the people who carry Jesus into places. And I do pray that as we walk into foreign places, places that are alien to us, whether it's as a church ministry, whether it's in our workplace daily, whether it's in our home, when others invade it, I pray that actually we would just carry you to those who are broken around us, to families and to children. Father, I just ask that where we feel weak, and we do feel weak, often we feel weak and overwhelmed, I pray that within that weakness we would find a glimpse of your strength that just sees something birthed in the people around us. I do pray this afternoon for seeds to be sown, for things to be watered and for growth to take place. Father, we don't want to be people who do the same year after year after year. We want to be people who want to bring your kingdom on this earth to family and to children, Father. I did feel this afternoon that there were people who were tired. And it may be that you're tired in your job or it may be that you're tired in your ministry. And I just felt, um, I think it was Angela talked this morning (coughs) about the fact that can't find it now sorry the fact that to push in to God and that that permission is granted yes father we want to be carriers with permission we don't want to feel worn out or tired we don't want to think, oh, not again. Give us that energy that we need to walk the path that you want us to walk. Pray for parents in this room. Our own children can be challenging at times and our own children can bring lots of joy to us. But actually, some of what we see in our own children is what God's already doing in us. I know for one of my girls who was struggling, God spoke to me a lot about grace and, and put some of that heart of grace into me in order to walk with my daughter 
and it, it was doing that that also brought me a heart for grace for some of the kids in our church and in the community. So I do pray, Father, whatever's going on in our homes would also reflect your kingdom values and would bring a sense of you wanting to bring it to those around us in the playground, in our schools, in our church activities. And the other picture that I felt from this morning as well was um, there was a picture of the fact that it's in our brokenness that we become oaks of righteousness and we shade over areas. So if you look at an oak tree, it's huge and it brings shade over a massive area. So Father, I pray for people here who you're growing into these oaks of righteousness that they will bring shade bring comfort, bring hope, bring peace, bring value to a collection of children underneath that tree, almost as if they're having a picnic. I thank you that that's your father heart to bring a covering over children. And may we play our part in that, God. May we play our part, whatever part you ask us to play. Help us to hear your voice these next few days, particularly as we've stepped away from our home settings. I pray that in, in the worship this afternoon, this evening, in the, in the preaches that are given, in the videos that are seen, that you'd help us to, to see how you value what we bring as weak vessels to become oaks of righteousness to those around us. Why don't you just turn to somebody next to them? You don't need to say anything, but just pray something of God over them um, in the next minute or two. Just to cover uh, some of the questions that we started off with, which I, I, I'm sure we actually haven't covered half of it, um, uh, it'll be good just to kind of throw out a few things. I know we can't fully cover it, but I think we can throw out a few kind of ideas. So I, I think um, let me just pick a few out um, just to kind of start um, to kind of work through, and then uh, Melina, you can chip in as well. Um, so I think, first of all, um, let's just start at the bottom for a bit of fun. Uh, tough questions in schools. Um, I think we had the question, so um, how do you prepare kids? How do you handle that? Um, the reality is it starts straight from day one when they're at school because um, some kids don't have a mum and dad. They have a mum and a mum or a dad and a dad. Uh, and straight away you'll find yourself in conversations with your children about these things. Uh, and that is very um, important because um, you can say, well, wait till you're older. But actually this is a real question right now. Um, I think uh, the challenge is there's very little um, material out there to help you with that. So it very much comes down to a relationship basis. 
Um, I think we just had a kids camp last week um, and we actually run an apologetic series with the kids to kind of look at tough questions. Um, so look at the Big Bang, look at, at suffering. We kind of looked at, um, at what signs are there for a God. Is there anyone, anybody out there? What about different faiths? So I think um, there are some things that you can find when you start looking to it. But the most important thing is um, relationship. Because um, if your kids feel free to ask those questions, they'll also feel free to talk it through. So what your kids are not looking for is answers. What they're looking for is a conversation because life is complex. Because one, you can give them one answer and they go to school and they hit something else and they, that didn't match the answer, so they'll come back to you. So actually having regular conversations with your kids is really important. So um, for me, I try to take my girls on daddy dates on a regular basis. So we go to Costa um, and we chat and... Um, Having a, a, a baby Chino with a four-year-old uh, is a lot of fun. Uh, they never talk about the stuff that you want to talk about, but just to be there, be ready, and when it comes, just go with the flow. Uh, and I think a lot of the time we don't understand how much is going on in here until you start talking to them, and then suddenly you see all those things coming out. So I haven't got a neat-cut answer for you, but I think that's how I try to do it with my kids. Um, I think in our church, so uh, we'll be starting our... Uh, tough question series with the kids this Sunday so actually let's approach it I mean it's scary so you ask yourself the question think oh my word I don't even know if I know the answer to that but actually um, the kids are not interested in having a clear answer what they need to know is how do you approach that so um, if you don't understand something how can you express that or how can you ask a question if someone believes something different how do you handle that rather than saying oh you go to hell I mean, kids are very sensitive to those things, and actually understanding how they can ask questions and engage with people is really important. If you don't do that at an early age, guess what will happen? They don't know how to do that at a later age, and a lot of teenagers will leave church because unanswered questions they have and not knowing how to handle that. So, Does that help? Just a few kind of bullets uh, out there. Um, can I answer that? Yep, yeah, go for it. I think it is about a culture of, I think it is about a culture of allowing um, kids to ask questions. And I think what they do want is is that opportunity to explore. Um, and I think the minute we shut down those doors because we don't feel secure. I know there's been times where I've said a one word, you know, one sentence answer to one of my children because I'm not comfortable then I think they feel they can't bring that up again. So I think it's giving them uh, opportunity again and again to ask those questions and to say, oh, you know, I wonder what we could learn from this. And sometimes it's, it's about us um, getting God's heart in a situation. It, it sort of challenges. I remember um, years ago, my daughter was watching something on television and I felt it was a bit dodgy. So I used the word dodgy. And I said, oh, I think that's a bit dodgy. And she said, well, I don't think I agree with you. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And it, it was me then who had to work that out. And I thought, actually, that's good that I need to work some of this out. We can't just come out with those one-liners. I think the tough question come, comes with that. So in school, you'll hear all sorts of responses. Kids will get all sorts of responses. And just to learn to ask questions, so... Um, if one of um, my kids, my oldest daughter, classmates says, oh, I think God's not real, um, I don't want her to get in a fist fight about the fact God is real or not. So actually saying, so how do you know? Um, uh, just opening up a conversation by asking questions. Have you, 
Have you ever thought about that? Um, have you ever thought about this? Um, look at the chance for the Big Bang to happen just like that. That's a, quite a small chance, so uh, I think just kind of asking questions could open up stuff. Yeah, can I relate a bit? Yeah. Um, you said, well, ask, um, uh, how do you know? Yeah. And uh, I said uh, about this um, child who said, yeah. oh, uh, Jesus in our life, um, then he would just say, oh, my mom says so. So, so how do you respond then? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the danger. We don't want our kids to say, oh, dad says no. this, because at no. some point they will lose that conversation. So actually by asking questions, it's just putting the challenge back. Say, well, tell us why you think that. And it's about the conversation. It's not about winning the argument. It's about the conversation to help think things through. Um, just to whiz through a few more, we can't handle everything, but I think a really important one is how do you involve the whole church in vision for kids? Um, that is, I mean, we could do a different session on that one, but um, I think, so uh, for me, I've been involved in three, four different church settings, kind of trying to bring some um, vision for children's ministry, and uh, I think that the biggest thing is starting just personally, so I think we came to Peter about three years ago, and uh, the kids' work was hardly existing, I mean, there was a few faithful people, um, but it wasn't other than kind of uh, Bible story, back room with a handful of kids, and uh, just broke my heart, thinking, wow, this is so lacking, but where do you start? So I think we gathered the team, and uh, we kind of uh, said, okay, guys, listen, we're, we're going to try to raise the bar here, and we're going to try to aim for a little bit higher. We are really grateful for everyone who's served really faithfully for such a long time. He's done a great job, but we are going to aim a little bit higher. Everyone who's tired, everyone who is not up for the journey, um, you can go do something else. Ask God. And uh, I wish I hadn't said it because I think we had three teenagers left after that um, and everyone else went to do something else. But the truth is you can't work with people that are not envisioned and not passionate for what they do. And sometimes they serve for a really long time, but loyalty is not going to bring you breakthrough. So did you, it's better, I have, I'd rather have two teenagers with no experience and faith than ten people with ten years of experience and no faith. So I think that's where we start it for us, um, is then outlining, so actually asking God, what is it that you want us to do? Because you want to start doing stuff. So I think for us to go to the prophetic would be really important. So uh, I think we had Mike Bollinger speaking into us as a church, uh, and he said, I can see a picture of your church being like a house in redecoration, and uh, I can see the kids' rooms becoming like the most important rooms in your church. And we're like, what? Are you having a laugh? I mean... they are the worst place at the moment Um, but when you start with a prophetic it's like a promise and you can start to pray into that okay God this is no longer my problem now this is your problem and from there just starting to okay God what is it specifically that you'd like us to do and just to start where you are so um, it's incredibly hard work so for three years I've been slogging my guts out Uh, I think uh, I've been probably more in kids kind of uh, sessions as an elder than I've been in some of the main sessions but just serving and just setting the bar and then you get people get excited um, but it takes hours and hours of preparation so I think for us now uh, there's a real turnaround so regular basis we've got 25 kids we've got a kids club that's running on a Sunday that welcomes in kids from the estate as well as kids from the church Um, our team leaders are amazing I mean they put like seven or eight hours of prep into every session uh, and that's what we expect from them so um, raising the bar high is important so for all our um, teams we raise the bar so you can be part of this team um, but you've got to be here an hour and a half beforehand to set up 
practice. We do a run through the whole session just to practice because the kids deserve the best. Um, you're going to be here an hour afterwards just to clear up, to do a debrief together, uh, which means that our team probably be half the size that it could be. But by setting the bar high, people know what they're signing up to. And people are starting to really live up to that. You, you'll be surprised when you put the expectation high and the commitment high that people are actually starting to go up to that. But it needs real leadership through that to bring people to that place because if they're not excited, if they can't see the vision where you're going, very clearly outlining, then they'll be very unlikely to make sacrifices for it. So um, I guess the key thing is make sure that your vision is the outworking of the vision of the church. The worst thing that can happen is you get really excited kids workers uh, going in that direction and all the church leaders are like, what? We're going here. Um, and I've sat in several meetings where kids workers kind of lining against kind of church leaders. I mean, now being an elder myself, uh, sitting on the other side, it's very helpful to understand that. Um, technically, what you're doing as kids leaders is actually outworking the church vision specifically for the area for children. You're not trying to put down another vision. You're not trying to bring a new direction. What you're doing is you try to facilitate the overall church vision specifically for your age group that's been entrusted to you. So what you need to do is sit down with your church leaders, elders, and say, where's the church going? What could that look like for children? Probably quite an uncomfortable question to ask because they might not know. Um, And I think if you sit around the table, it needs real humility to say, They've got the overall perspective. We've got experience what that could look like for kids. Can we work this through together? And together, you've got to start to live that out. Because if it's not carried by the whole church, then I can guarantee you it'll be a little sup corner and it won't get any more than that. So, um, It's time. It's four o'clock. Um, you've done very well. Thank you so much for listening. I know we haven't covered everything. So if you do want to ask some questions, then do come and find us at the end. Um, and uh, thank you so much for coming I really do believe that this is a bit of a first start for many other things to come so thank you very much for your time and please continue to pray that we see some breakthrough in this area